Hello, and welcome to another episode of a German and an Aussie reviewer movie. And this week's movie is a choice by Gregor, and it's the movie Tar with Kate Blanchett. A bit of an Oscar bait movie, I would say. You could say that, yeah. Or you could also say something uh, culturally valuable after we went uh, for Pamela last time. Yes, well, it's certainly a world away from Pamela Anderson's live story, but, you know, I guess the big news this week before we start is it was my birthday on the weekend and my mother forgot. <laughs> you should have told her like uh, me, so alles Gute, Jared. I thought, oh, she'll ring later, she'll ring later. And then by the time I went to bed, she hadn't rung. And then the next morning I went to the beach and then I get back and there's all these like seven missed calls. <laughs> so she's realised she's forgot. And she's like, you know, it was very apologetic. And I thought it was kind of funny in an odd sort of way. I mean, this is going back and showing my age a bit. But do you remember the movie Sixteen Candles? Uh, I've Ringo never seen it, but I know what it's about. High school movie, right? High school movie. And It's about, you know, a girl whose parents forget her birthday. So I could kind of relate to that, except I'm not 16. So she, you know, she rang and apologised profusely. So I called her back and I said it was fine and all that sort of stuff. Because I think if someone's, you know, genuine in their apology, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, it's maybe too late and, you know, just think of other people. Because the other thing too is I kind of believe that one day I'll probably forget hers. So, you know, then I can go... Remember when you forgot my birthday, how I responded? Like, I just think you've got to, you've got to cut people a bit of slack. But I had a nice birthday. It was pretty low-key, but, you know, thems are breaks. But I did watch a bit of Tar because it was watched over three sessions for me, being quite the long film. But wait, Geraldo, how is that possible? Tar is uh, only available in cinemas uh, at the moment. I went three times. <laughs> Very good. It's, it's good cool. that someone is supporting these, these artsy uh, movies. So just overall, Gregor, what's your impressions of it? Well, I'm curious also to hear what you say, but I'll start. I uh, really liked it. Um, I thought it was... Uh, I like movies that are... A unique experience that are something you you've not seen before or at least you see very rarely and i mean this can go either way it can also be in a negative way but in in this case it it really hit me it was a very unique movie that tackles a lot of topics and i find mostly successful is very long yes fair enough you want me before my girlfriend who joined me was also a little bit like is this movie three hours long <laughs> well close to it but it i felt like it it uh, didn't feel too long so most of the time i really liked it what what did you think about it okay i have to say i really did enjoy it like by the end of it i really felt that it had told her story in a linear way but in a way that revealed her past it wasn't like time jumping Mm, that was just all point. very linear, but it revealed what her previous life was. When we talk about this one, I have to say up front now, there's going to be spoilers because it's not an action-packed film. So in order to discuss it, you more or less have to talk about what happened because it's not an intricate or crazy whodunit. You, I don't know how you would review this in depth without spoilers, to be honest. Now, normally Gregor does the synopsis, but I'm going to do it this time. Oh, it's a, it's a birthday kid's uh, synopsis today. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you you forgot too, Gregor, so there we go. 
Well, you you told me. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I have no excuse. The only excuse I have, I think, is that in um no, that's bullshit. In Denmark, it was even a day later. I wanted to say that it was still a day earlier here, but yeah, I have no apologies. I'm so sorry, <laughs> except my heartfelt uh, humbleness. Well, I don't know when yours is. If that makes you feel any better. Basically, the story revolves around a conductor. Did they say conductress these days? I don't know, but anyway. No, I think they yeah. Uh, there's a conductor in the movie, I'm pretty sure. Yes, well, a female conductor, a gay female conductor who is married with a child. And basically it tells, it starts off as a slice of life about her and then it slowly reveals different layers of what's going on in her life. She's obviously a very stylish and intense and whoever wrote the script must have had a thesaurus at hand because there's a lot of big, long words that you'd be thinking, what does that word mean? I had to look a few of them up as I was, I was watching it. You know, she's very famous and, you know, there's a, a magazine piece on her and she also teaches. So it's sort of like Juilliard. It was sort of implied it was that sort of place, I thought. I and, think she's literally teaching at Juilliard, yeah. And she's quite confrontational and it's almost like a toxic female character. Like, it's quite strange. She's very, you know, confrontational to the students and quite old school, and I'm, I'm guessing she's supposed to be in her 50s, so maybe she's got a slightly less sensitive approach to students and how she teaches. So, but anyway, what happens is she gets basically accused of recruiting beautiful young women, possibly seducing them, and the ramifications of that on her previous perfect life. That's the basic story in a nutshell. Would you agree, Gregor? Yes, very well put. I think just framing her as a composer is maybe too little because she's in the movie, she's basically framed like a massive talent in everything music-wise she touches. So she she has like an EGOT, so that means she's won like a Grammy, an Oscar, a Tony. God damn it, I don't know what the last one is now, but... An Emmy? Yes, an, an, an Emmy, yeah. I think an Emmy. Let's just leave it at that. Um, everything we say in this podcast is the truth. And we don't need to Google anything. <laughs> um, whatever she's doing, she must have made a lot of money with something besides conducting. Because, I mean, I'm no classical music expert, but I don't think a life of conducting, no matter how good you are, can afford you this lifestyle from a amazing apartment in Berlin to an e-Porsche. Oh, beautiful car to having private chat flying you around. It's probably not her private chat, but uh, be as it may, I was like, how many CDs did she, did she sell off her classical music? <laughs> I, I totally agree with the rest. She's basically supposed to be like a genius. And uh, yeah, and then she's also super famous. That's another point. Like, I don't know how many conductors you know, but um, I'm not sure I would recognize a conductor walking past by me on the street. And she really seems to be like a, a superstar that basically uh, we would recognize everywhere. Yeah, she certainly had a very stylish life. And that's one thing about the film itself. It's like, if you like stylish interiors and stylish clothes and stylish people and restaurants and everything is heavily, heavily curated. Um, and it does look great. Like, I have to say, it's quite engaging because you, you're basically locked for the first probably hour and 15 you're more or less locked into her world. And and then for the remainder of the film, things start to break through, like a, a crazy neighbour with a disabled mother, you know, comes into the picture briefly. I have some notes on that. Yes, and then also she becomes infatuated with a young Russian, 
Was she a cellist? What was she? I can't remember. I think she was. I think this uh, podcast could be testing our knowledge of classical music at <laughs> Gerardo. And uh, spoiler one? alert, it's not and, good and mine, for me. I'll tell you my classical music story in a minute. And she becomes slightly infatuated with her. And it's, it's like a schoolgirl crush. It's very awkward considering the Kate Blanchett character, Lydia Tarr, is very controlled but when it comes to love she was almost like girlish and uncertain and a bit lots of stolen glances and it wasn't very predatory in the way that you think it could be and I thought that was a good angle to take because also something else that comes up in it is that a previous protege of hers commits suicide and the implication is that there was some sexual activity between them and then it ended and then she lost her career and then she killed herself so but of course she that's denied and it's never officially stated whether anything actually happened or she just had very strong crushes on these young women then when it wasn't reciprocated may have discarded them there's no sex scenes in it at all yes any nudity is really incidental there's nothing sexual about it but i thought it was a for me a big strength of the movie that the movie is for the most part very undogmatic it's not trying to tell you how you should feel or think about the character. It's a very troubled character, uh, no question, and she gets what's been coming to her in the end. But yeah, like you say, it's it's often not clear what really happened. And um, yeah, I really, I really like that uh, about the movie. Like you say, there is no scene where she obviously harasses a student, and that is really one of the one of the strengths. You can kind of try to make your own opinion of her. I also thought the revelation was very modern because part of the story is that she's doing some photography and it's for a, a profile in, a, in something I would say like, well, The New Yorker or something like that, you know, like a quite a intellectual sort of magazine. Anyway, that's a story that breaks her as being possibly abusive to students involved in inappropriate sexual behaviour. Because originally, you know, they were posing her for photographs for the article and it was all part of her glamorous, stylish, minimalist world. But then that was the means by which she was undone. And there was no dramatic build-up to it. It wasn't, you know, tension with the, the writer or hush phone calls or, you know, a voicemail being played or, as I imagine it would happen if you are basically cancelled, it becomes really incidental. Like one day you get sent a video and you're like, oh, there's me telling off a student. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. snowballs from there. I thought that was really nice. The dramatic thrust of it wasn't the build-up to the revelation. It was like what happened when it was revealed. Yeah, good point. And I mean, how great is Kate Blanchett in the movie? I mean, for me, she's the best actress of her generation anyway. Or if you ask me for any person who's the best actress at the moment, even before the movie, I would have uh, said Kate Blanchett. I have to ask, she played a German in this and spoke German and had a German accent. Was it convincing or were you like, oh, no, she sounds like a Scandinavian or something like that? I mean, to be fair, she's not playing a German. Uh, I don't think so. She's... uh, but she's playing a person who uh, has lived multiple years in Germany and who is married to a, a German woman played by Nina Hoss, actually a quite famous uh, actress in Germany, a very good character actress. What I'll say is, you know, there's this difference, you note know, when people live for multiple years in a country and they learn a bit the language. I know German is a goddamn hard language, but you learn it a little bit, you pick it up, you use it more and more. And then there's the way you speak when you had intense language courses for, I don't know, three months or something. And that's the way Kate Blanchett speaks. So she definitely can speak German, but it feels learned in many parts. 
but yeah, that didn't take me out of the movie. But she uses some words where you like, she uses the word, for example, Leidenschaft, which is passion, but she says it like Leiden, Leidenschaft. And it's like, it's a word you just would not use if you would not know how to pronounce it, you know? They gave her like quite complex German sentences at time and made her use it. And, and I feel like that's not something you would do if you're not super confident in a language, you know, you would uh, use more like simple words, but it didn't take me out at all. And uh, I love the scene where she goes to. So she there's a scene where she she has a, a adoptive a daughter with her lesbian partner in Berlin. And, uh, and the daughter gets bullied at, at high school and then she goes with the daughter to high school and then asks her which girl is it. The daughter points out the girl and she walks to this little girl and then, and then she introduces herself with the German word, uh, ich bin ihr Vater. Basically, she says like, I'm her dad. Then she starts basically uh, threatening the little kid and tells her in German in a very straight uh, forward and clear way that basically she's gonna fuck her up if she ever touches her daughter again and that just that just uh, gives you something in german that is just a very very good scene i found so i think part of the movie my uh, partner uh, who doesn't speak still doesn't speak german she has to do the cape blanchett school uh, <laughs> she i think she was a little bit lost well i found in the cinema one that I saw that some of it was subtitled and some of it wasn't. Was it an Asian subtitle or was it a... (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just straight out German to English translation. What did you think about Kate Blanchett's performance? Fellow fellow Aussie Kate Blanchett, maybe you even have a Kate Blanchett story, Gerardo? It's funny you should say that, I do. I thought sometimes it was a bit laboured, but I think it's that sort of film. Sometimes it was a Mm. bit intense and a bit over the top, but I'm not sure if that's the director's intent. I think she's an actress who acts a lot with her eyes and her face. She's a very face-orientated actress. So yeah. there's a lot goes on. In some of the shots, I began to think, has she had a facelift or something like that? Like, I thought in some of the shots, I thought she looked a little bit strange. So I think she definitely had done something, but I, it fits the character. Like, Just to say one more thing on her performance, basically a few minutes into the movie already, uh, uh, my girlfriend asked me, is this based on a real character? I had and to look that up this, too. I had heard this question before and that just shows, from my perspective, that just shows you how good she is. Even I, after three minutes, I was, I forgot it's Kate Blanchett. I thought this is like a real conductor sitting there, basically. Yeah, it was very, like, even I looked got on my phone and was like, is this a real person? It was like, no, it's not. It's purely fictional. But yeah, so even the whole framing of it, where she does an interview at the beginning and everything, you think, oh, is that based on an interview? Like, an El- you know, like in Elvis movies, they did the Elvis interview. And it's based on a real yeah, movie. yeah, good point. Um, yeah. The director used a few common autobiographical movie things to make it seem more real. And it worked. Now, as for Kate, my Kate Blanchett story, I'll just be one second, Gregor. I'll be one second. There's something behind this. Now, Ooh, for those who can't see, which is everybody, I'm holding up a shirt. I'm holding up a shirt. Beautiful Geraldo shirt, black and white. What do you think of this shirt, Gregor? It could have been a shirt that Ta wore in the movie. Well, well, even better than that. It's a Prada shirt, and it used to belong to Kate Blanchett's husband. <laughs> Wow. Yes. And I'm not like not, not I'm not making this up because I lived in a share house years ago and one of the guys that lived in there was friends with someone who worked with Kate in a help, you know, a service way. 
like wasn't an actor or anything like that, just, you know, helped. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to implicate who it was. And anyway, this particular person said Kate was very lovely and she was quite generous, you know, like, because they received a lot of free things and from brands and things like that. And of course, I don't keep everything, but she gave this particular person um, a shirt for her boyfriend who didn't then like it, then gave it to the guy I lived with and he didn't like it. So he gave it to me. <laughs> so That's how you a, get your gloss. That explains a lot. I have a Prada shirt that was once owned. Well, he may never have worn it. They may have just opened it and gone, no, we're not into it, you know, but it was at one stage in Kate Blanchett's house. And she touched it. Yes. And I have I did wear it once. And someone and a couple of people ragged me out on it and said, Whoa, flash get shirt. Like, so it's certainly not a not something you'd see in tar, that's for sure. <laughs> and I've also actually seen her live in a stage show in Sydney. Well, great expectations or streetcar named desire, some sort of classic. I can't, I can't remember, it was a long, long time ago. She's really interesting to look at, but she's quite small. That's the big thing. Like, I always assume she's, you know, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, or yeah. maybe even 5'10". But she's actually very thin and quite a- oddly angular. That's why mm. I think she photographs really well, because she's really angular. And she was really riveting on stage, so she definitely has something. Yeah, I'm honoured to to be friends with you, Jared. The no, no, you who, can pretty much uh, say any celebrity, and I have a story. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I still have to bump into a celebrity. I was in Sydney for two years, and I didn't see anyone. Not No Hugh Jackman serving next to me. No uh, Tony Collette uh, getting a schnitty uh, with me in the pub. As I said, my Tony Collette story, I was coming down the street to go into my house, and she was walking the other way. I smiled at her, and she smiled back. Yeah, she um, seemed sweet. It's funny what you say about Kate Blanchard, that she's uh, quite small and uh, yeah, she has a bit oh. of a, and maybe not a classical, beautiful looking face. And oh, I, no, she's, she's definitely attractive. Like, she's not. She Okay, okay. I feel like she's just the perfect uh, actress because she she seems so much bigger in the movies, right? It's like she photographs so well, like you say. It's, it's like you say, when you see her in the movies, you think she, like she's a one meter 80 or something because she's such a powerful uh, persona. And it's also quite interesting how this um, developed. If you remember, for example, the talented Mr. Ripley, she's that rather dorky, a bit hyperactively over-enthusiastic character. Um, it's quite fascinating also to see her evolution in, a, in terms of acting. I do have some criticisms with the movie. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, or maybe uh, jokes implied. But I love how the Germans are once again depicted in this movie. It's basically they're either crazy, full of fetishes, or just super rude. So there you go, <laughs> you're German. Did you, you don't did you, feel uh, that describes you, Gregor. You don't feel you fit into those categories. I could say you fit into one. <laughs> not saying which one, not saying which one, but I could pick one. So there is a scene in the movie where the neighbor uh, knocks on her door. She seems to have a bit of an unstable neighbor and it's this crazy woman who basically yells at her in German whether she took her newspaper. And then there's another scene later where this woman basically uh, yells at her again, tells her to help her with her mom. And then they go into her apartment and uh, the mom is like completely naked 
lying on the floor and they have to put her back into the wheelchair. It was a toilet chair here, wasn't it? Yeah, it was even worse. It was like a toilet chair, and then she yells at Kate Blanchett to go out again. And I'm like, I mean, it is implied that she's mentally unstable, but come on, this is just all the all the German cliches at once. Rude, and of course, something with feces and toilet humor <laughs> and, and naked old people. There has to be naked old people because, after all, we have like a, a nude culture. So, so I there was, was all the experiences you had with me, right, Gerald, to put into <laughs> one scene, basically. Well, the rude bit, the rude bit. Yes, definitely had that. Um, but. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Because I've lived with you, I'm aware of those cliches. And I did watch some comedy ages ago. And, you know, someone gets a German flatmate and they turn out to be nudists. And they're also into fetishistic sex. It's not just their normal Germans who go hiking and, and wear North Face jackets, which is probably most Germans. Like, it's <laughs> there's always this, they want to be nude. They want crazy sex. And they're kind of simple, too, at the same time. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we like the nude. You know, like, it's kind of, whereas most Germans I've met have a pretty, like, deep thinker. Like, you're a bit of a deep thinker. And even though Germans have that reputation as being not particularly funny, I found Germans have an awesome sense of humour on the whole. All the Germans I've met can laugh at stupid shit, and not everyone can. I always feel that Australians and Germans have a kind of a similar sense of humour. I always like to use the quote of yours uh, when, you, when people say Germans are not funny. Um, I thought it was quite nice that you said it. And I think, yeah, spending time with you and then you talking about Germans or meeting other international people in Australia and seeing their image of Germans. I felt also that, yeah, maybe even I myself am being too hard on us in terms of like humorless and everything. And also seeing how how few other, for example, European countries can laugh about themselves a little bit like, yeah, well, we're at least not the only one who have um, sometimes issues laughing about ourselves. Uh, for example, uh, I had uh, one a recent um, endeavor where, where we were in London for a weekend and we met a friend of my girlfriend's and she's Spanish, uh, South American. I mean, she's from South America, but grew up in Spain. And uh, she's uh, single and uh, dating around in London. And she was like, yeah, I, I had recently had a date with this uh, Australian gay guy once. and uh, But he was making jokes all the time. It was terrible. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's like my flatmate. <laughs> I, there were a couple of things that I remember were like, you think that's funny? That's not funny. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's not funny at yeah. all. Why would you think that's funny? So I'd get into trouble in my own house, I'd like to, which I was subletting. I just want to add that part. But, you know, such is the light. But we're still talking today. So that's how, how friendly we are. One thing I also liked in the movie, just to maybe tick off the German characters, they also spoke very well English. So you have this uh, assistant Sebastian, who is, of course, a weird guy with some weird fetishes and uh, I guess your typical uh, cliché German. Well, does he speak a great English? <laughs> and of course, turns out it's like an English actor. And uh, another German guy, the the old guy she meets in the um, cafe. It's, so it's like an, an old former conductor and um, it's implied that he was basically her mentor and that he also might have some hashtag me too um, stories in the past. Uh, yeah, he's, he's German as well with a very good English accent. Did you recognize the actor, by the way? Not at all. He plays the uh, Nazi villain in Indiana Jones, the third Indiana Jones. 
Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll look that up when I get off. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's uh, a legendary uh, Nazi villain, but uh, even there, he's uh, still an English guy. Yeah, but uh, overall, how would you rate the movie, uh, Geraldo? Is there something you want to put in before? Yep, I would rate it a four scanner, but to be aware of the length, because it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but just by length, because it's a good, what is it, a good two hours and something? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually two and a half hours, so yeah, it's, it's you're going to be... You've got to be committed and in the right mood for it. I don't think it's like, hey, let's go and see a movie. What do you want to see? Oh, let's go and see a it's not that sort of film. Yeah, you're going to be in the in the cinema for a while. I would give it a four and a half of uh, five gamma. Really like unique experience. That was a movie I enjoyed watching in the cinema also because unlike when you watch a horror movie, uh, you don't have these annoying teenagers uh, sitting in the cinema, pulling out their phone or talking through it. You, we basically, I think we were the youngest people in the theater and it really felt like going to a classical concert in terms of the audience, but everyone was super quiet and respectful. Ah, such a joy. Because I'm that guy sitting in the cinema and looking at everyone with my angry German face, who just uh, makes as much as a noise during the movie. So what did your girlfriend think of it? Now, this would be interesting because she's somewhere in between he, our extremes. Just quickly. Here's the thing. She quite liked it as well. I think she would. Oh. I didn't ask for a rating, but I think she would rate it probably at the same level as you. So I was surprised as well. I think the first 10 minutes... She was a bit skeptical, but she got into it. I don't know. Maybe it was just me uh, subconsciously telling her all the time how good the movie is. But uh, be as it may, she she really liked it. Uh, I was I was a bit surprised as well, to be honest. I was a bit surprised that you liked it that much um, because I think before going into it, it wouldn't have been your pick. Oh, never, never. I would never have seen this film unless you had suggested it. It just looked like a horrible Kate Blanchett Oscar value film. It has been a bit of a box office dad here, at least. I don't know what the st- I think overall it hasn't been very successful. Yeah. But I can sort of see why, because it's not an easy watch. Yeah. I had a colleague coming to me last week. We watched that movie with Kate Blanchett. I don't know the name anymore. It's terrible. What is this? They, I'm not a conductor. They talk about these music things all the time. I don't get it. <laughs> so... Uh, I think it's a it's a movie you either really like or love like us or you're probably going to hate. So do you have any experience with classical music? I had no idea what was going on. I've only been to one. Well, I've been to a couple of classical music concerts and, you know, I didn't really get that much out of them, to be honest. But I went to one that was really kind of funny. It was it was called Swoon at the Opera House. And it was one of those more crowd-pleasing orchestra events where it's basically lots of popular songs and it's not experimental or new music or anything like that. It's all basically songs and tunes based on falling in love. So it was really lovely. But what they decided, I know it sounds terribly cheesy, but I was really into it. And um, so we went and in order to, you know, make it really interesting, they had all the seating around the orchestra. So there wasn't an orchestra pit or anything. You were on the same level as all the orchestra so you could see them all yeah it was really nice so you could see watch them play and you're quite close to them but what was really and usually funny, it's hard to see them when you watch an opera or something yeah 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 so it was like you were at the same level as them it was a really nice idea but what they'd done is they'd obviously said to everyone look we want to keep this accessible so all the people in the orchestra you can wear whatever you want 
normally they'll be all in being black or there'll be a theme or they'll all be in black and white or something like that. Anyway, so they could wear what they want. And most musicians are reasonably eccentric. So you had all these hilariously dressed people, like not intentionally, you know, sort of women wearing crocheted evening dresses and stuff like this. Like it was really funny. Intense classical musicians wearing like Bugs Bunny socks. <laughs> And, you know, Simpsons ties, because it was quite a while ago. So it was really funny to see that they were not all really elegant, stylish people. They were actually kind of uncool music nerds, a lot of them. I'd just like to add I'm sitting here in a tie-dye tank top. But, you know, like I'm at the coast and I'm not an orchestra. I'm not in an orchestra. I feel like I'm sitting here with the Aussie Sylvester Stallone checked up <laughs> child in his um, military tank top. I that true. Funny that was true. I think one of my uh, most touching experiences I actually had in the Sydney Opera. We watched uh, Tosca. That was lovely. And the short faces where the opera was not closed due to COVID. Did you turn into Julia Roberts and start crying, Gregor? <laughs> uh, is that like from Pretty Woman? Yes, yes. He takes oh, it and it's the first time and she cries. Uh, I have to see the movie uh, again. Um, no, uh, um well i guess a little bit damn it's touching <laughs> on something but it's ho holy shit it's like it's depressing i was like whoa okay uh, i didn't actually know the story and uh it was uh, a bit like watching schindler's list uh, in opera i guess oh okay i have no idea what Tosca <laughs> is about so oh okay um, yeah okay well look any other Oscar news for us there, Greg? We'll sing it's the season. I haven't seen any Oscar film. So if you want to have a round oh, about any you've seen. It's actually Oscar season. That was one reason why I thought of the um, the movie as well, because Kate Blanchett is like a favorite to win for Best Actress. And uh, the movie is also nominated for Best Movie. And I've actually seen a lot of the top nominated movies because you saw some movies as well. You saw Top Gun, right? Yeah, I, see, I don't consider that. An Oscar. And we watched Elvis. Elvis, yeah, can you imagine? I can't and, believe uh, that's got any real yeah, praise beyond that's ridiculous. production or, you know, like sets or costumes or something, because it's certainly... Ridiculous, yeah. And uh, and we we watched Tar now, and um, also I watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, how do you rate that? I've ummed and out about watching that one. I think it's a little bit overhyped. It has a huge momentum at the moment. It's probably going to win Best Movie. It is definitely something unique. So similar to Tar, it's something you you're not gonna see in the in the theater every year, and I like that. I, look, I like the movie. It's a perfectly good movie. It is a bit in this case I found it is a bit too long. It sometimes you can see the budget constraints because it's like a multiverse movie, so there's a lot of special effects and crazy things going on. But no, it's it's an interesting movie. I think you should give it a watch, especially if okay. you now can watch it from home. And it's hard to compare, for example, Tar and um, Everything Everywhere All at Once because it's completely different movies. I think I wouldn't mind either one winning because perfectly fine movies, as long as Elvis doesn't win. And I had a great time with Top Gun 2, but I mean, in the end, it's like second part of a movie, you know, and I kind of feel like we should, um, how do you call that when you uh, give a prize to something, to yeah. some movie? Reward. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> We should more, I think we should more reward um, original stories if possible. And that's definitely a tar and everything everywhere all at once. And please not Elvis, Jesus Christ. What's your what's your Oscar tip, Toronto? Who's going to win Best Picture? I just have no idea. I, I don't really follow the Oscars. I just don't. Top two or tar? 
I don't think Tara will get it. It's not. They might just give it to Top Gun too because they need people to start watching the Oscars again. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think they need to revert to a film that at least a lot of people have seen. Yeah, that is a good point. And you could kind of argue that Top Gun 2 was one of the movies who revived the cinema after COVID. Uh, I don't know whether it did. That's a, maybe it did in the US. It didn't seem to do that in Australia, but who knows? I'm not sure either, but it made over $1 billion worldwide. So I'm pretty sure it was successful in Australia as well. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, probably would have been. But most people I know didn't see it. They're just waiting till it's come out, which I think it has. I think it's streaming already. Anyway, I've got to head off now. So thank you very much, everybody. And Ich bin der Vater, Jared. Oh, okay. Einmal mein Kind anfasst, dann gibt's was. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Guten Nacht. Yeah. <laughs>